Hi, and welcome to Real Talk with Rachel, with my wife, Rachel Gilbert. Did you know that God has a unique call on your life? But things like fear, insecurities, and lies keep us from experiencing God's best. This podcast will consist of real talk about real life with real people. We pray that every episode brings you one step closer to your original design so you can confidently pursue your God-given dreams. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Real Talk with Rachel. I am your host, Rachel Gilbert, and you might have noticed that today's episode is just a tad bit longer than these episodes normally are. That is because this is a very special edition episode. You know, last month I did a special edition episode with my sister Becky on breast cancer, some real talk about breast cancer. In case you weren't aware, it is Suicide Awareness Month, and I have been walking up close and personal with suicide and recently had a friend walk through this. And I really felt like the Lord put it on my heart that we needed to bring this topic out of the darkness and into the light. It's a little bit scary of a topic to do that such thing with, but I had met a friend months ago who went through this and she is being amazingly brave in sharing her story today with you all. She got very real about some of the emotions that she felt, some of the shame that she felt, and even just gave us some really practical tips on supporting people who are survivors of suicide, as well as at the very end, she gave a great word to some people that if you might be or know somebody contemplating suicide. I want to ask you that you please take the time to listen to today's entire show. You're going to notice there's no sponsor of today's show. Jesus is the sponsor of the today's show. That's who the sponsor is. I want to just ask you, lean into this conversation, listen, take notes, and then share it with people who need to hear it. And I really believe that's everybody because we all need to be equipped on this topic. So let's go ahead and jump right into my conversation with my very brave friend, Lynn. Hey, Lynn, how are you doing? I'm okay. How are you? I'm doing great. I am excited and honored to have you here today and excited for the topic that we're going to be diving into. But before we do that, I would love for you just to introduce yourself. Okay. Well, hi. My name is Lynn Pagliarvi. I currently live in Fayetteville, North Carolina. I have two children, a daughter who is eight and a son who is six. Awesome. And so just so y'all know who are listening, how Lynn and I met, and I think she's going to share a little bit more of her story about this in a little bit, but we met at Revelation Wellness Retreat. We are both instructors, and I went through a couple years before Lynn did, and I had gone back to serve as a leader, and Lynn was in my small group so that we just got to meet each other earlier this year, and it was so fun. It was. It was. (laughs) Amazing experience and blessed to have you as our cabin leader. Yeah, it was awesome. I always love to see who the Lord puts in my groups. It's always just completely ordained by him. It's just so fun to see that. Well, let's start by, I would love for you to share. I know you actually got saved not too long ago, right? Correct. Okay. Tell me a little bit about your salvation story. Okay. So really it all started after having my first child. I'm a military spouse, and we had moved to our first duty station. And when my husband joined the military, he was a little bit older. He was on the older end. And, you know, in the military, you can't fraternize with higher ranking people. And most of the high, most of the people my husband's age or my age were higher ranking. And so we kind of got stuck, not stuck, but we found ourselves being in a group of younger people than us and not many families. You know, at that point we did have our daughter. And so really it just started as a, I need some type of community to belong to. And I'm not finding it in this military community yet because everyone is young and doing, you know, what young people do and 
not a lot of families and so not a lot of other kids. And that was really when it started to pull it on my heart is when I think it was starting to get my attention of when like, oh, and I would say, well, you know, I don't want to do it like become all like serious or I just want a community to belong to. And (laughs) I want a support group essentially. And, um, you know, but it wasn't until it wasn't for a few years later, it was after my husband came home from deployment and he had become friends with a Christian over while he was deployed. And, you know, one night he just, we had been kind of talking about it and, but nothing like we were talking about it, but no action was ever done. Like we didn't attempt to go to church or, you know, we just talked about, well, maybe it's something that we should do because we have kids now. And so I was in the kitchen one night and my husband came in and said, I'm going to Bible study tonight. And I thought, I kind of looked at him like, really, you're going to Bible study? And that started the process. I went to Bible study with him that night. And then we started attending Bible study regularly. And, you know, within a few months, we were all in and we, you know, we got baptized. This is when we were in El Paso. So we were baptized by our pastor there and really got involved in the church and not just for a community, but we really started to take it seriously and our relationship seriously with Christ. Like we really started to pour into that in our own lives and in our kids and with each other. Okay. Wow. I love that. I love hearing stories of people who come to know the Lord a little later in life, just because I think it brings hope to some people who maybe feel like they missed out or they're too old or anything. It's it's never too late. And I love how the Lord just brings you in. So where does this fall in your story? I know part of your story and how you got to Revelation Wellness was that you were a fitness professional and you were looking for something more, right? Yeah. So while I was in El Paso, um, I was working or I was looking for ways to earn extra income for our family, but, but still keep most of my time spent with our kids. Now we have, we had our son. So we have the two kids and I wanted to still mainly focus on time with them. So I wanted something that maybe I could either work from home or something flexible enough to where I could still have a flexible schedule. So maybe I could work at night or maybe, you know, something that was flexible. And that's when I came across a local company there called Trinity Health Coaching. So with them, I went through training uh, to become a health coach. And I started working with clients, but realized quickly that it was about so much more than just what we eat and how much or how little we move. And I was still relatively new in my relationship with Christ, but I knew that I had been working, you know, I had been into fitness and exercise and, you know, I've I've led a pretty active life, but I still wasn't where I wanted to be. And so I knew from my own experiences and then experience with working with people that there's no way we're going to find complete health and wholeness without without Christ, without God in the picture. And so my mentor at Trinity Health Coaching was, she discipled me actually for a little while too. So, you know, we shared that relationship and we would talk. I said, you know, I'm trying to figure out how to bring God into working with clients because I just really feel like that's the missing piece. And I think it's really important. And so she ended up being the one who introduced me to Revelation Wellness. She called me one day and just said, hey, you know, have you ever heard of uh, Revelation Wellness? And I said, no, I I haven't. She's like, well, I think you should check it out. Um, She actually had a client who introduced her to it, I think. But she introduced me. She said, you should check it out. I think it's really what you're looking for. You know, and maybe it's really what was looking for me. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But I went online and I searched for Revelation Wellness and watched some of the videos. And I just, I started crying and just, you know, something at that point, you know, I was not really <laughs> sure, but something came over me and, and, and I just 
I got the chills and I was crying and I just was like, this is what I'm going to do someday. So I, you know, just really just started to be like, I started following Revelation Wellness from that point on. I couldn't join right away as an instructor, but I knew it was going to be something I was going to do. And then you started training in 2017, right? Yes. Okay. So tell us more about your, when you started training, what that was like. Before I started training, I realized something about myself. (laughs) I realized that I am somebody who starts a lot of things, but does not finish them. This time, though, I made a promise with God and to myself that this was going to be different. This was not going to be something that I was going to start and then not finish or quit on. And I was really intentional about it because of my history. And I kind of timed it out. I read a a book called The Five Habits of a Woman Who Doesn't Quit by Nikki Corazars. And it was it was great. You know, it's a study about the book of Ruth. And, you know, I intentionally timed it to be done right before training started. And I really think that that it helped me to stay committed to training. And yeah, I I look back in my notes frequently and just the training itself was very empowering. The at-home training um, and the the study that we do and it was eye-opening and empowering. And Okay, so you started Revelation Wellness Instructor training in August of 2017, but you did not go through retreat that fall because I met you in the spring. So tell us a little bit more about what happened there. Yes, that is correct. I started training in August and was getting through the training. And you know, at this point, I really felt there was no doubt in my mind that this was exactly what I wanted. <laughs> Everything made sense to me and it all fit for my plan. <laughs> you know, I had become a, a certified Trinity health coach. I had also become a certified personal trainer. And so now is going to become a certified revelation wellness instructor, like the package in my mind, the package was complete. So I was not able to go or finish with that was platoon 19. So I was not able to finish platoon 19 with retreat because two weeks before retreat was supposed to happen, Um, my husband committed suicide. Wow. Well, Lynn, first of all, before we get into more of this story of where you go from that devastating news, I want to just tell you thank you for being so brave to start sharing this piece of your story. I know it's not easy. It's not fun. And I know your heart is to really minister and love on other people who are walking through something similar. So Tell us more about as much as you're comfortable sharing what that time was like for you and what any pieces of your story that you feel like could help somebody else walking through a similar situation. Yeah. um, I don't think I really have to say how real devastating it was and continues to be on occasion. One thing that I made a commitment to continue doing was getting up in the morning and getting out my Bible and being in the Word and continuing to just talk to God and let God talk to me. And it just helped me have this incredible amount of peace throughout some of, you know, those beginning days are really almost indescribable. You know, looking back, it's almost as if the world is happening around you, but somehow you're just kind of disconnected from it. And being in God's word and and reading the Bible and just making that commitment to stay with him helped me to stay plugged into the world as well. So this topic is very near and dear to my heart as I recently, just two weeks ago, had a friend who took her life and 
I would love for you to, if you feel so brave, to enlighten some of us who maybe haven't walked side by side with somebody through this type of a situation. What are the initial, I know you said devastating is obviously the first word that comes to all of our minds, but what are other emotions that take place? Well, there was a lot of shame. Mm. There's a lot of shame on my part um, mm-hmm. and confusion, just, you know, sadness, like, like I've never felt before. The shame is really what God is putting in my heart right now. Well, he's not putting shame in my heart. He is trying to point out to me that there is no shame required. Mm-hmm. And it's very, very, and I giggle a little bit because it's hard. And it's, you know, it's a daily struggle to not find myself in a position where I think a thought along the lines of, if I had just done, mm. you know, if I had just done this, or maybe if I had done that, things would be different. But we can't play that game with ourselves. And we can't run with the enemy. I really think that's where the enemy wants to keep us. And so really this shame piece is a battle, a spiritual battle, and it's a constant battle with the enemy. I feel like all loss is like grounds for the enemy to really like just go all in Mm. on us when we've been hurt but I can't speak to all the different kinds of hurts. I can speak to this one in particular. And I feel like it is just like the enemy is just waiting for people to go through this. And, Mm. and he is relentless. The spirit, you know, we all know as Christians, we all know spiritual attack, but this, what I've walked through has been like, spiritual attack times 1000 sometimes because it's it is a point where you want to blame well I'll speak for me I wanted to blame myself I wanted to figure out what I could have done differently and what what I should have done and what I could have done and you know it's hard to say but there's nothing I could have done yeah how do you combat those lies um i just know that God doesn't want us to be ashamed. And I start to call the enemy out. Mm. I start to say no, because the enemy wants nothing to do but to make us feel shameful, which then will make us isolate ourselves. And I really feel as hard as it is to talk about it as a survivor of suicide loss, we need to start coming together and we I think we need to start reclaiming it as holy ground Mm. and not letting the enemy take anything more from us. That is so powerful. And I love what you said a little bit ago. You said the enemy is waiting for more of us to walk through this, which is exactly why Lynn and I are doing a really hard thing, because before we got on this conversation, we both were like, oh my gosh, are we really about to do this kind of a moment, you know? And we just want to be real with you about that because it is a tricky topic to talk about. I wish it wasn't something that needed to be talked about, but unfortunately it is. And, you know, we're on mission to say, no, we're going to draw the line in the sand (laughs) and put our stake in the ground and not let the enemy continue to have more and more people have to walk through this. And so, Lynn, thank you again. I'm going to say thank you through this whole episode for being (laughs) brave to just talk about it and bring it into the light because that is where the enemy loses his power. So thank you. Yes. And you started to hit on a second ago how spiritual warfare, you've never experienced anything like this. What did spiritual warfare look like for you in this dark season? What did that look like for you? Well, one of the first conversations I had with one of the army chaplains. He asked me if I had a verse. He asked me, what is your go-to verse? Because you're going to need it. Mm. And the verse is 2 Timothy 1.7. I feel like the spiritual attack was really on my spirit and trying to make me afraid, trying to make me 
feel like I was, I lacked control mm. or I lacked a sound mind and that I didn't love because I have to make decisions now, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, we all, we all do. And not, not just the decisions about, you know, I mean, having to make the decisions about what you're going to do with someone you love dearly because they have died. That's a whole different story, but it's the after that and the decision making after that. And, you know, a lot of people say you don't make a lot of big decisions right now. You know, it's in that category of this is not a time to make big decisions. This isn't the time to spend a lot of money and do all this stuff. But I feel like it is a time to make, continue to make decisions Mm. because we can, because God has given us the spirit to to have sound judgment. And one other thing that has really, that I repeat to myself, it's from a song and only love can drive out all the darkness. But that lyric has been really powerful for me as well, because there were times when I was starting to believe, well, I never really loved my husband. I mean, come on. Mm. <laughs> um, and it was kind of because I was scared. Um, my go-to protection of when I'm scared is to just buck up and be strong and, you know, put that stone around my heart and not to feel. And so I almost convinced myself not to feel by telling myself I didn't love my husband. Mm-hmm. But then it, then it came in, no, only love can drive out all the darkness. And it just became something I just kept repeating to myself. Every time I wanted to hide and, and not feel what I was feeling, I would remind myself of that because it was a lie. You know, I... Only by admitting how much I truly love my husband am I going to get through this, some of these dark moments, not by telling myself I don't love my husband and kind of putting the stone around my heart. So just overcoming some of those lies, you know, and believe me, there's there's been periods of time when uh, I haven't recognized the lies and I've gone with them and you know, I've, I haven't had a good day. There was, I mean, there's a good few months where I felt really defeated and stuck, but remaining in the word and calling out the lies for what they were has just been really what has helped me to recognize some of it. And it's hard. Yeah. It's such hard. It's such a fine line to walk. This is so powerful. And I'm curious, you're giving a lot of awesome tips. And I'm curious, I know some of the people listening might be going through very similar situation, obviously different details and all of that. But it's that same type of pain, like what you mentioned earlier, that you had the authority to speak into. And so since you have the authority to speak into this pain, I would love for you to share, what would you say if you were sitting at coffee across the table with another survivor, what would you say to them? What what would be some words that you would just want them to know? What I would want them to know is that I know that they're hurting. And I know that when sometimes when we hurt, we want to blame God and we want to question his goodness and we want to question his purpose in our pain and we want to doubt his goodness. I would really encourage anyone out there that this is not the time to start doubting God's goodness. Mm. This is not the time to start turning away from God because it is with God that we will be able to get back to the light. I love the statement you just said that this is not the time to turn away from God. That is so powerful and so true. And so I want to just from here talk about how you did that. And I believe you said, I read somewhere something you had written on April 29th. You put, quote, you consider that the day I started to feel again. So tell us a little bit more about that. Oh, April 29th, 2018. Wow. That was... 
that was really, (laughs) that's a day I will never forget. That is the day we were in the airport in Phoenix, getting ready to go to the mountain for instructor retreat. And I was there, you know, I was with my, my prayer partner and I were together and, and I was so excited. Like I just couldn't sit, stand, I still like nothing. And I just felt like this continual, I just felt like I was bouncing everywhere and my face hurt from smiling. And I just felt like I was a little bit crazy. And, you know, Phyllis and I, Phyllis was my prayer partner. We were walking around, um, we we're going to get some food. And, and I just remember like being like, I feel really crazy right now. I don't know what's happening. And she's like, you're, you're just excited. Yeah, she was great. <laughs> <laughs> you're just excited. You know, don't, you're not crazy. You're just excited. And, you know, we had a good laugh about it. And, you know, finally we end up, uh, you know, we ordered our food and we go back down to sit and, uh, be in line to get on the shuttle. And, and I just remember looking over at Phyllis and I started to cry. And I said, like, you know what? And she's like, don't cry. Don't make me cry. Not yet. We're not even there yet. (laughs) And I said, this is the first time I have felt anything besides sadness since my husband died. You know, at that point, I think she was Besides some of the few instructors that I was with in Platoon 19, she was really the only person that I had spoken to about what had happened. And that excitement was just made me feel alive again. It gave me hope for the future. And I feel like I became reconnected to humanity that day, you know, in the sense where being somebody who has survived the loss, suicide loss of somebody, you just can feel so disconnected. And the enemy wants you to be disconnected from humanity. But making that decision to go to instructor training was huge for me. For for more reasons, you know, my plan was out at this point, my plan of, you know, having all the certifications and helping people with their health, all that was out the window. And I just knew that it's where what I needed to do. I didn't know what was going to come of it, but I knew that I would experience healing in the process of being there. So April 29th, 2018, what a day, <laughs> what a day. And I mean, there were so many more <laughs> to follow. I love how you said that was your first step in your healing What do you feel like that healing journey looks like? I know everybody's looks different. There's no way to package it up and say, you need to do this, this, and this. But I do think there are some key components that you exhibited, and I watched you exhibit. That's why when you were in my small group and having met you, and then when I did hear your story, it was a complete shock because... The joy that was on the outside of your face did not match up with the situation that you're currently walking through, which is God. You know, that's that's the Lord. That's the Holy Spirit on you. That's the only way you can explain that. And that's part of why I love your story because of what the Lord has done through that. So what would you say if you could sum up that what that healing process might look like? Well, it's still happening. So it is a daily a daily thing, Um, Mm -hmm. you know, an hourly thing, a minute by minute process. But I think really it was making that decision to, to go Mm. because, you know, as I had said, I made a promise to God before I started, you know, so back in 2017, before I even started with platoon 19, I made a promise to God that I was not going to quit. And so I had to do it. Mm. I could not go back on my promise to God. I had to battle with the enemy on that one too. The it's too soon. You're not going to grieve properly. You're you're just doing this to distract yourself from grieving. Uh, you can't leave your kids right now. This is not the right time. And and I just remember having that conversation with the 
enemy and being like, no, I'm going. I need to go. I need to get back to it. It's not looking like it it was when I first started, but I need to go. And so that's kind of where having that sound mind and, you know, sound judgment given to us by God, that has been a really important thing for me is that I can still make decisions because I've been given the power by God to make decisions regardless of what my circumstances are. And so really a big part of my healing process is in this decision-making process. And that was one of deciding to go back to instructor training when I did was one of the first really big and most beneficial decisions I made since my husband died. I love that if we just trace back basically these steps, how the chaplain told you what's your verse and you made mm-hmm. the it seemed that seems like maybe a small decision to say, okay, one verse, second Timothy one seven. Yeah. God didn't give me a spirit of fear, timidity, but power, love, and a sound mind. And you stood yep. on that and you continue to stand on that. And that verse is what has led you to, like you said, say, No, I can still make decisions. And then mm-hmm. because you said, Yes, I can still make decisions, you made the decision to go and complete. And so I really feel like that's beyond practical advice right now for anybody listening. And you know what? Maybe it's not the same situation, any hard situation you're walking through. The power of having a verse to stand on, even if it's just one (laughs) verse, do not look down upon just one verse. It's powerful. It's effective, especially if God, you know, gives it to you and says, this is your verse you need to stand on in this season. Then take that verse, meditate on it day and night. And I just love that. I mean, we just see that thread throughout your story. I love that. I love I was just putting that together as I was listening to you. I was like, oh, my goodness, it all started with the verse and everything has flown from that. So it's not rocket science. (laughs) No. And, you know, what's funny is when he asked me, what is my go to verse? That was the only one I had memorized. Oh my goodness. I love that. I thought, how does that make any sense to what is going on right now? But it was just, that was the one, of course, like I had read it because I've like, I've read it previously because I had it memorized, but you know, it was kind of in that moment of like, well, I need, I can't say, I don't know. I need to tell him. And, Hmm. and, and that was the one I was like Second Timothy one seven, <laughs> and I said it, and, you know. But then I'm like, that does not make any sense. Surely there's a better verse that would go with my situation right now. But no, I don't think there is a better verse that goes with what did it with my circumstance and my my life and right now. And thank you for sharing that piece, too, because that should also (laughs) help somebody listening that if you don't know all the verses, it's okay. The Lord will give you the one that you need for today. And also, I love that you were like, that that doesn't make sense. I can't tell you the number of times God has given me a word or a verse. And I'm like, hmm, let's unscramble this, you know, code. What does this mean? And then a little bit later, you're like, okay, it makes sense. And so that's where that trust and faith walk comes in for sure. Yeah. Well, yeah. So we're already starting kind of to hit on this, but I wanted to know what are some practical ways? Cause like you said a, a little bit ago, you're still walking through this journey. I mean, you're not on the other, other side and I don't know, you know what that looks like in terms of, again, I think that's every person is different and you know, every story is different, but I would love to know what are practical ways that we can support survivors? I think one big thing that we can do is to just let people be what they need to be that day. Mm -hmm. And by that, I mean, I just from, you know, from my own experience, I had good days, you know, and, and I had, I had really bad days and I had like, okay days. And having friends around me who didn't try to fix me, didn't try to try to talk me out of my feelings Mm. was really important. 
people who just friends, um, community members who just sat with me and just let me cry, just let me sleep or who came and occupied my children. Uh, so I could just stare at the wall for a couple hours or take a shower or eat. But I think one really important thing is the just letting people feel the way they feel and trying not to talk them out of the way they feel. Another thing is, I'm not quite sure how to say this, um, but it's almost like a look on that people can get when they feel sorry for somebody. Mm. And you don't notice it until people feel sorry for you. And just that look of, and I know it doesn't come from a bad place, but at some point you do want to feel normal. You don't want, well, I didn't want that situation to define who I was going to become. And, you know, there were a few people who just, they couldn't see me separated from the pain. And, you know, and this is why I'm having a hard time saying it, but I needed people to see me and to empower me um, and not feel sorry for me. There's certainly a time and a place for that, you know, but how do you, I, I can't give a practical way of how to tell somebody not to feel sorry for somebody else. But yes, life drastically changed in an instant. However, I think we can be sympathetic without making somebody feel like they need to feel sorry all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, I needed days to feel good. And there were, there's been days where I feel really good, but I feel guilty to say it. And mm. And I guess that just kind of goes back into the let people be who they are in the moment that that they are in that moment that you have with them. Don't try to talk them out of their feelings or make them make them feel how you think they should feel. That's so powerful. And I I do have a question to follow up on that. And you may not have the answer to this. And if you don't, that's okay. Where is that line of, so if I'm encountering somebody who I know who has walked through something very devastating, Mm -hmm. I want them to know that I have empathy for them, you know, Mm -hmm. and I don't want them to feel like I'm just acting like nothing happened and, oh my gosh, how are you? And, you know, putting on a fake smile for you and we're just going to pretend like nothing happened. But I totally get what you mean, because I'm the same way, even when I'm just sick. And that's not even a devastating thing. That's just a, you know, like, oh, like, there's just some people, especially, I think, too, it's a little bit personality of they don't want all the attention drawn to what the problem is. They want, like you said, just let me feel like a human for a second. So do you have any advice of that line? Or is it just really kind of having discernment in the day and in the situation? I think it is a bit of having discernment. Um, people who I knew, knew about what happened, you know, once I started to go back and back to church and back into the community and, you know, started to be around other people more, I think there were just people who knew and they just hugged me Mm -hmm. and they said, some people didn't say anything. Was that worse or, or better to not say anything? I think at times it was better. Mm-hmm. Again, you know, this is a moment-to-moment thing. <laughs> so there were times when I needed that. Like, I just needed someone to put their hand on my shoulder and kind of just give that reassuring squeeze and not say anything. I needed somebody to look me in the eye and just hug me. Because, yeah, you don't really, you don't want people running away from you either. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um it's not contagious. It's not going to happen. So yeah, grief is not contagious. Although <laughs> you kind of feel like you're carrying some kind of contagious disease, but, Mm-mm. um, you know, and I've had people who have just said, I'm here for you. You know, if you want to talk, I'm here for you, then, you know, call me. The other thing in the very beginning, you get a lot of support in the very beginning, mm. a lot of people, And I'm grateful for it. And I appreciate it. And, you know, if you read any books about, 
you know, going through something difficult, you read how everyone's there for you in the beginning. And then slowly and slowly, everyone goes on with their lives and you feel like you're being left behind because everyone else has their lives to live. And I, you know, I had a moment of being like, why doesn't anybody call me anymore? And people were calling me and checking on me. It was just me, you know, having a moment, but realizing my life has changed. Not everyone else's life has changed and that's okay. And people still care about me. People still love me and care about me and know that I'm in pain um, and they're doing what they can. So I feel like it is important to still remain in contact with somebody, even if it's just a daily text message. Like in the, in the beginning, I asked my friend to, you know, she's like, what can I do to help you? And that's another thing for us. We need to be okay with telling people what we need. Mm -hmm. People want to help. And if we don't tell them what we need, they're not going to know how to help. And so she said, what can I do? I, what do you need from me? And I just said, can you please text me a verse, text me scripture every day. Mm -hmm. And she did every day. And, you know, I would send maybe sometimes I wouldn't reply back. Sometimes I would send a little emoji face or something, but you know, something even as simple as that of just a daily contact with somebody, you know, throughout the process. I mean, it is, it's going to be a lifelong process, but that daily connection with somebody who was giving me the truth was amazingly, amazingly helpful and reassuring. So trying to continue the, the care that you receive right in the beginning, try to continue that on in some shape or form, even if, right, we can't expect everyone to just, you know, give up everything and, you know, settle in our homes, but it's a text message. It's a phone call. It's a, you know, I mean, there's so many ways to reach people. You know, this friend of mine lives in Texas. I'm in North Carolina. She was not physically here, but she was instrumental in that part of just really being present <laughs> in that way for me. I love this simple yet practical tip, you know, and I know, again, everybody's different, but I don't know anybody who wouldn't benefit from a daily scripture getting texted to them or would turn that down for any reason at all. Uh, but I love that. And I feel like that's almost a call to action to some of us, because I know a lot of us, especially if we're believers, we feel called in some way to be a light or to minister or to influence but sometimes, and I say this standing guilty as charged, both hands in the air, but sometimes we want those ways to be glorious ways, you know, something beautiful, something in the spotlight, something that I get to brag about. Well, how about we really, and so this is something that God has just been putting on my heart. So please hear me as you guys listen. I'm not on a soapbox. I'm in the trenches as I say this of being a light right to those people who God has put directly in our path, the types of things like the text message that no one's ever going to give you credit for. No one's ever going to, you're not going to get big accolades. You know, there's not going to be a, an award one for sending a daily mes text message, but the Lord sees those things. And those things matter. I truly believe more to the Lord than the things when we're, you know, that's fine and fun to be on stage. And it's fun to do things where we get to be in front of a lot of people, but man, that cannot be, what we envision that ministry looks like, because ministry is the day to day for people just like you who are walking through things that the Lord never intended for us to walk through and us being literally the hands and feet and mouth of Jesus just right where we're planted. So thank you for sharing that because that charges me up right now. I'm like, okay, I'm going to open my eyes. Like, Lord, just that's my prayer. Open my eyes to the people who are right in front of me that I can easily reach out and be a light to. So I want to finish our time. We've been talking a lot about being on the survivor side of things. Is there anything you could say to someone listening who might be contemplating suicide? Hmm. It's not worth it. It does not take away your pain. It takes your pain and puts it on the people you love. Mm. 
when you go, your pain just doesn't magically disappear Hmm. with you. It falls on the people who are left here. And that if, if it's a thought, know that it's not a thought from God. God does not want you to carry that pain. He, he wants you to just to know that he loves you. And any of those thoughts, it's the enemy. And we need to call it out for what it is. It's not you. It's not your circumstance. You have something important to do and the enemy is trying to get to you and you can't let him. All right. I have to repeat those things just one more time because they're so powerful in that you said your pain does not disappear with you. It falls onto the people that are left here. That is so powerful. And then also just that those thoughts are not from God. And I just want to reiterate, Lynn, what you said, that if you're listening, if you can hear the sound of my voice and the sound of Lynn's voice, God has an amazing plan for your life. And I just want you to receive that today as the truth, no matter what the enemy is saying. The truth is that you are a child of God. You are loved. You are known. You were bought with a price and he loves you. And this podcast was for you. <laughs> if you had, if you if those yeah. words spoke to you, I want you to know that God moved heaven and earth and he, he placed me and Lynn in a path to get to know each other for this moment right now to happen, to speak life over you, to speak life over your children, to speak life over your family. And I also want you to know if you're listening today and maybe you're not the one with those thoughts, but you have family members or friends, I want you just to stand in the gap for them. So I'm going to wrap up today's show a little bit different because that's how I roll. Um, I like to be very spirit led. But, you know, I sometimes I really feel led that God wants us just to pray over the situation. And Lynn, instead of having you pray, I'm going to pray because I want to bless you as well. Um, You have been very brave, bold, courageous. I mean, all of the amazing words I can think of just just to stand up and speak and share your story. I know this is just the tip of the iceberg for you and what the Lord is going to do in you and what he's going to redeem for you. So I want to pray. I'm going to, I'm going to pray and I want to pray that blessing over you and your household. But then also, again, anybody who's listening today who you've just been touched by this whole suicide topic. I, I have not met anybody actually who's not been somewhat touched by this situation. You know, maybe it's not quite as close as what Lynn is walking through, but you've been touched by it somehow. You know the the pain. You've seen the devastation. And there's some people listening today I know who you are literally you're back where Lynn was in the beginning. You're like you're you're within the first few days, weeks of of walking through this and I just want to speak life over you. So that's just how we're going to close today. Father, I thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you for this time and this this place. I thank you for technology that we're able to capture this story and bring it to people all over the world. Lord, we pray this podcast gets into the ears of the people who needs to hear it, who is going to bring hope and healing and life. And Lord, first, I just want to speak a blessing over Lynn and listeners, I want you just to join me in blessing Lynn. Um, I just bless you, Lynn. I bless you and your your family and your kids. I just speak right now life over your household. I speak blessing of every single kind, financial, spiritual, physical, emotional. I speak restoration. I speak peace. I speak joy. I speak all the fruits of the spirit to manifest in your household and in your heart. That even as we get off this conversation today, that there's a lightness in your spirit that only can be explained by the Holy Spirit, just lighting something up within you and healing those pieces of your heart that only he has access to. And Lord, I just pray for every listener today, whether they can relate to the part of being a a survivor left behind, or maybe they can relate to having those suicidal thoughts and God, wherever they are, maybe they can relate to standing in the gap for a family member. Lord, we just speak life over all of these situations. We speak hope. We speak healing and freedom and truth and grace. And God, I just pray you bring any lies out of the darkness into the light. 
like that lie of shame or guilt or condemnation or any other lies that might try to take root in this season, you have to go in the name of Jesus Christ. Jesus, I ask that you do what you do best and you come in and you love on these people. You love on their hearts. Lord, we just love you. We thank you so much and we speak blessings in Jesus' precious and mighty name. Amen. Amen. All right, Lynn. Well, thank you again for taking the time to come on and for being so, so brave to share your story. And I will be chatting with you later. Thank you, Rachel, for having me and letting me share some of my story. You're welcome. It was an honor. Well, I don't know how to properly sum up what I am feeling and thinking about today's show other than wow and how blown away I am by Lynn and how brave. I know I said that at least a million times during the episode, but she was so brave to share her story. And right before we got on the call, she mentioned to me that she said, you know, it was a little bit of a battle for her to get on and do this, but she really felt the Lord tell her that morning that if even one person was blessed from listening and maybe got some hope from her story, that it would be worth it to her. So will you do me a favor? And if this podcast blessed you, will you comment with that somewhere? You can comment by leaving an iTunes review and saying what it said to you. You can comment on the Instagram post over at Rachel J. Gilbert, where I post the picture for this podcast. Or if you don't want to do it publicly, please feel free to send me an email, rachel at rachelgilbert.com. You spell my name, R-A-C-H-A-E-L, and share that because I'm going to forward every single one of those to Lynn so she can see how, yes, the Lord used her totally to speak to not just one person, but lots of people. Thank you guys for listening all the way to the end. I know this message is anointed. I know it needed to be in your ears today. And I want to ask you again, just share it with somebody who you know needs to hear this, who would be blessed by this message. I am just really excited to hear what stories come from this. So I will see you back here next time on Real Talk with Rachel. Have a blessed day.